We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Report here on rotogrinders.com. My name is Chris Gimino, back for week 13 to go over projected ownership in NFL DFS. And joining me to do so, we've got back for week 13 from his annual excursion for Thanksgiving, Dan Gasper, Mr. Tuttle 05. Tuttle, it's a very interesting week with all of the potential running backs that we can play, all of the potential role changes that we must discuss. And uh, so this could be the best show we've ever had. I don't have any particular reason for saying that, but we, we got to do it right for the people, right? We've got to have the best show that we've ever had. It could be. And now I have pressure on me, but I, I think we, uh, I think we can deliver here. So I'm, I'm ready to roll. I'm, ha- I'm happy to be back, not in a house with 18 other people now. So I'm, you know, I got the house to myself and ready to roll. If you want to start the show, the best we've ever started a show, you need to tell the people what is going on at quarterback this week. Because when you look at the projected ownership landscape at the quarterback position, it is not crystal clear beyond Tom Brady to me who people are going to play for a couple of different reasons. And now I think you can narrow it down to a fishnet of like eight guys. But if you tell me who's the second, who's the third, who's the fourth highest owned guy, I could give you credit for a number of, number of different names, particularly on DraftKings. So I want you to tell me when you look at this landscape, once you get past Brady, people know play Tom Brady. He's close to the MVP this year if he's not the MVP and he's playing Atlanta. Who else are we playing this week? Yeah, it's Brady. <laughs> and it, it, like he, he's so clearly the top overall play. And it's scary for me, even then in tournaments and, and how to figure out how to handle that because the double stacks are so easy with him too. Uh, the pricing is just so convenient for fading Brady double stacks. And I think it's going to be very highly owned. And usually I'm, I'm fine fading chalk like that. But then again, it's like such a good spot. Um, I actually sent out a tweet last week because I, I played Tom Brady double stacks and Leonard Fournette had four touchdowns, I believe it was, three rushing touchdowns. And that's typically, like, that's so abnormal to what we see with this offense because Brady just, like, he wants to pad his stats. If they're up late in the game, he's going to throw the ball, and that's typically what we have here. Uh, but, yeah, after Brady, it, it is really tough. I feel like on a different week where he was, if he wasn't dealing with injury, Jalen Hurts would be that guy. Uh, but he is dealing with injury. He's had a couple kind of meh performances uh, over the last month. Uh, but I mean, it's the Jets, right? So everybody, you, I feel like on a different week, people would see the Jets. They would see Hurts, hopefully with some rushing upside against a really poor defense, and they would go that way. But it's not really shaping up that way. Um, I think partially because he is fairly expensive now is why he's not going to 
get a ton of ownership. Um, but I, I do feel like he's the guy that stands out to me as a, a guy that could soak up if people, if people are feeling more confident about his uh, injury than I am, I could see him getting some ownership, I guess. Yeah, when we go to the projection of Lund Hurts, one of the problems with Philadelphia these days is we definitely know they want to run the ball. And we definitely know that when you sort of intermingle a couple of different offensive styles that necessarily it's rare that the Eagles are going to find a spot where the plays are going to shoot up, where you where I think his prop is like 185 yards passing or something total, you know. Uh, It's not an exciting passing game spot for Hurts. So usually you want to rely – on his ability to run for touchdowns and to get rushing yards to pad his minimal passing production. And with the ankle injury, that's a little bit tougher to trust. And I think that that's a situation that we need to be monitoring going into lock is making sure that he's even going to play uh, Gardner Minshew on standby. took some first team reps this week. Now, Justin Herbert is playing the Cincinnati Bengals, a spot we previously in past years would have said, okay, this is a pretty good place to, get one of the best quarterbacks in the league, not so fast. Uh, Bengals have been playing at an elevated level on defense this season. Herbert, meanwhile, coming off the fairly lackluster game against Denver uh, last week, 44 attempts, 303 yards, just two touchdowns, pretty good for fantasy, but not necessarily where we know he can get, especially if you're trying to win a tournament. What are the odds that we're going to see Herbert get up in the passing department this week? Because I do think that while the Bengals have played well, he's capable of doing against anyone. Yeah. Um, I mean, you mentioned it. Only thing that would drive this ownership down is if people are scared of the matchup, um, which I think they might be a little bit, which is again, why nobody immediately jumps out right after Tom Brady, because there are kind of warts with all these other options and that's it with Justin Herbert as matchup. Um, I like him. I think he's a fine overall play. He's got obviously strong stacking candidates. It seems like the obvious Mike Le- Mike Williams leverage week off of Keenan Allen, who's going to project his chalk, but Williams keeps dropping in price. Um, but the matchup is the biggest thing, and the matchup is the biggest thing for somebody else like Lamar Jackson, too, um, who, again, like a different week, different scenario, different team. Like, usually we, we typically see Lamar Jackson closer to double-digit ownership, um, but the matchup's really driving that, that projected ownership down. Uh, but he's another guy that I'm kind of growing into a little bit more as the week progresses. Pittsburgh's defense has struggled a little bit as of late. Some of that is because of personnel issues with injuries. Uh, TJ Watt has been out. He's expected to play, but he's on the COVID list right now. Um, but if, if, if TJ Watt is, is out for that game, I think they're still going to be out. Joe Hayden, I think Lamar Jackson could be kind of a, a, a sneaky good play. Um, and he could also creep up ownership wise just because, Again, after Brady, there's no no clear way to go. So people kind of just flock to where they think the highest upside is. And, and Jackson obviously fits that bill. I think you will see it happen on some of the other sites. Uh, the ones particularly where you do not get a full point for reception for the wide receivers. So the stack uh, points per dollar goes down a little bit. And not to mention the fact that there's no 300-yard passing bonus on either FanDuel or Yahoo. So, and again, pricing-wise, 8500 uh you know, not, not, not as quite as hard to get to a 7.8 on DraftKings where the pricing is just a little bit tighter these days. So I do think you'll see lower ownership on DraftKings for Lamar Jackson than on other sites. Now, Derek Carr is a player that nobody really falls in love with the idea of playing. But the problem is this week we've got a, an under $3,000 tight end that you can pair him with, as well as a wide receiver who gets a surprisingly consolidated volume of the, of the work share, uh, you know, a, a, a guy who's like, who's like your size Tuttle. So, I mean, quite frankly, Derek Carr is not somebody that we're going to get over the moon about, but when it comes to projected value, which DFS players do tend to gravitate towards these days, I think we're going to see some Derek Carr lineups out there this week. Yeah, for sure. The price is right. The stacking candidates are right. Um, what he's third in the league, I think in, in total yards or, or I think he might be leading the league in passing yards to be honest with you, but I've looked at, I haven't looked that up lately, but he was leading the yeah. league. That's for sure. Yeah, and it's uh, so some of this is like so hard to um, diagnose on a week to week basis. But I mean, Washington is very, very clearly better against the run than they are the pass. Like, that's that's just how it is. Their defensive front is much better than their secondary. Teams typically throw the ball more often against them because of that higher pass rates. Uh, so I, yeah, fully expect a higher pass rate out of the uh, out of the Raiders here from a guy that's not afraid to sling it. Um, concentrated target tree, which is exactly what you look for. You can run it back if you think uh, Deshaun Jackson's going to score a touchdown again. 
go that that way with some of your stacks. Um, so yeah, Car Car is going to get I think a healthy amount of ownership. Uh, I think if Brady wasn't like such the the clear and obvious cash game play, I would think that Car would actually get a decent amount of cash game ownership too. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not sure the exact status of Josh Jacobs. I saw he was on the injury report this week. Obviously, you know, for some reason he didn't go. I mean, that would only, to me, increase the chances that Derek Carr would be used as the means for propelling the Raiders offense in week 13. Now, on the other side of that game, Taylor Heineke is 5.6, a, a player who can run it, a player who is going to be without one of his key weapons in the backfield this week. Uh, probably not the toughest matchup uh, on paper as far as the Oakland, uh, Las Vegas Raiders are concerned. So are you interested in getting to this lower price quarterback on DraftKings where we do need the salary savings? So kind of. Um, and honestly, the, the passing game in general offers pretty strong leverage off of Antonio Gibson, who I expect to be pretty big time chalk. Uh, we have him yeah, projected for, for 36% owned on DraftKings, which is not surprising to me. Um, so yeah, I mean, Heineke, like, I'm not looking to go there and single entry or anything like that. I don't think, uh, but if, if I'm multi-entering, I think, I think he certainly fits the bill as, as a guy to stack with, with McLaurin, uh, very, very strong leverage there. And even Logan Thomas is back. Uh, Thomas looked pretty good last week. I didn't see the, the exact numbers on, uh, the routes run, but I would expect his, his workload to increase this week with, uh, clear practice. So yeah, I do think the, the. Uh, Washington passing attack is a pretty good approach to tournaments. Yeah, certainly you can't play a guy like Curtis Samuel yet, I don't think. But I mean, if you know, a, a player of his caliber is going to be in the game for some portion of it, and every time that he is on the field, theoretically, he helps improve that passing attack. So the more the healthier he gets, the better for the Reds, uh, Washington football team offense. Okay, so Matthew Stafford, I think against Jacksonville, nine percent ownership is too low. I mean, not that I don't think he'll be 9% owned, but I think that he should probably be one of the highest owned players this week, if you ask me. Now, why do I say this? I do think that when you look at the numbers, the underlying metrics for the Jaguars defense, this is most certainly a spot you want to attack through the air. That is the that is what I am seeing, Tuttle. Are you seeing it the same as me? Yeah, um, for sure. When I when I wrote up the expert survey a little bit earlier this week on rotogrinders.com, Stafford was the guy I was focused on, that passing attack. Uh, and I would say probably even more so if Daryl Henderson is out. He was, uh, I think, didn't uh, DNP on Thursday, limited on Friday. Uh, if Henderson's out, I would just expect them to throw the ball even more. Uh, but yeah, Stafford in this passing attack in general, what what we would like and what we have typically liked with the Rams passing attack is it's very concentrated. Uh, we know who's going to be on the field. They don't mix in a third wide receiver when everyone's healthy. We don't for sure nobody know for sure everybody's going to be healthy this week. We still got to know Odell Beckham's status. But if Beckham's healthy, like we know it's going to be Cup. We know it's going to be Beckham. We know it's going to be Van Jefferson. And we know it's going to be Higby. And they're going to be on the field for 90% of the offensive plays. And that's awesome when uh, when targeting an offense to pass. Um, obviously, Stafford has those injury concerns. I don't think he's even on the injury report, though. But there are a lot of whispers last week about him playing injured with multiple injuries, elbow back. Um, that sort of thing. Uh, so if you're concerned about that, like I, I understand, but I think this is a great bounce back spot for the Jags. I would expect them to hang a ton of points on uh, the Jaguars as a bounce back three game losing streak, try to just get things back on track, put up a ton of points. Um, so I, I do think there's actual motivation beyond um, just it being an excellent spot. I do think there's motivation where you could see them passing a little bit later in the game than we typically would uh, just because of, of how they've been playing lately. Yeah, I do think that the Jaguars have played in, in certain spots above their heads defensively, uh, especially against Buffalo. But of course, there's been, you know, lately, I think that I think they can get stopped, quite frankly. That's really what I'm trying to say. I don't think that's a yeah. super hot take. They haven't necessarily shown it lately, but uh, I do think that Stafford is in a very good position to have a high fantasy score. So ownership wise, you know, we'll talk about the wide receiver spot. You know, there's maybe a guy there that you might have to worry about ownership wise, but just to, from the quarterback's perspective, he's got three, four touchdown upside easily, 300 yards, of course, if you're playing on DraftKings. Uh, Kirk Cousins, uh, probably the last guy we should talk about here as far as chalky quarterbacks are concerned. I, I don't think we'll get him see, see him too high because the stacking options are pretty expensive here, but I think at this point in time, the secret's out. The Minnesota Vikings are just playing in shootouts like all the time. Uh, Stafford is consolidating his targets to basically Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. You don't see a whole lot of other action around there. And now Dalvin Cook's not going to be around. 
So it's uh, it's pick your poison. Are you going to want to take the consolidated work share of the running back or the passing game this week, Tuttle? Because and I think that's why uh, Cousins is going to be pretty popular. Uh, which which is which is going to be for you? From a tournament perspective, in a game theory perspective, I think it makes a, a better stance to uh, to take a stance on the running back position um, because Madison. We've seen him in the spot before. He's absolutely dominated. He's absolutely dominated touches. He's absolutely dominated work share. Uh, he is a lot more involved, or he was in those games, a lot more involved as a pass catcher too than what we typically see with Dalvin. Uh, but he's not going to be like super chalky um, just because the sites did a pretty good job of pricing him up. Um, we have Madison projected right now for 18% ownership on DraftKings uh, and 9% on FanDuel. Again, like under 10% owned for a guy that has seen his type of workload in the past. I know there's some talk about um, what's the guy's name? Nene? Is that his? Uh, oh, Kine. He Kine, got robbed. Of his, go. He got robbed of his preseason due to an injury. No one, the secrets yep. was kept deep, dark underground about what that guy can do as an athlete. And we've seen it on the kick returns lately. I wouldn't be like stunned if he played a couple snaps, but it's nothing to worry about for me. Yeah. And I agree with that. I, I don't think it's anything to worry about either. So, Anyways, long, long story short, I do prefer taking a stance on Madison over taking a stance on Cousins. Um, I do think game flow will dictate that they can do that too. Uh, I think a more run-heavy approach. Um, typically, when we see them go pass-heavy, they're playing from behind, uh, which I don't really expect this week. So, yeah, um, I think Madison's the better stance there in tournaments. Yeah, so moral of the story here at Quarterback Tuttle is we've got Tom Brady, who should be pretty popular. I don't think he'll run away with it above 15% or anything like that. I mean, if he, you know, maybe in some of your higher dollar contests, 20, 20% tops, uh, that's pretty high for a quarterback. But I don't think you're going to see anyone else really come into the range where we're making a strong decision about who to play based on the quarterback alone. Now, if you want to talk about that entire stack, we can get into that with some of these guys at the wide receiver position because there's not too many to go with. However, at running back, man. The, the, the folks at, at Thrive Fantasy this week setting the props at running back, uh, they got the work cut out for them, narrowing down who the stud plays are going to be because that's all you can play over at Thrive Fantasy Tuttle. Uh, come prop up with them this season, by the way. Uh, it's a it's an eSports and Daily Fantasy Sports app. I just saw the uh, the founder at an eSports uh, speech this week uh, in, in New Jersey at a conference, and uh, these guys, they got it together. They know what they're doing. Uh, you're going to want to go over to Thrive Fantasy and eliminate – the amount of research that you're doing on all these running backs, they're just, they're just going to do a focus group of 20 players. That's it, Tuttle. Uh, pick, pick and choose 10 out of those 20 players in terms of player props. So over, under, all those types of things that you're used to in the sports betting market, do it over at Thrive Fantasy to make a fantasy lineup of sorts. Each prop is going to be assigned a value uh, for that over and under. You pick which way you think it's going to go, hit the most props, and you can rack up points to win your share of the prize pool. Go over, use promo code GRINDERS, uh, when you sign up there, you'll receive 100% instant first deposit bonus match up to 250 bucks plus two free $20 contest tickets. Uh, you'll get that with a $10 deposit. But if you deposit uh, 100 to 499, you'll get four of those tickets. If you deposit 500, you'll get six of those tickets. So go download the Thrive Fantasy app on the App Store or the Play Store. Visit the website thrivefantasy.com. Sign up and prop up today. The prop on Antonio Gibson total is something like 71 rushing yards, which I think is under debate for a couple of different reasons. Number one, is Antonio Gibson going to take the entire role in this offense? Is he going to be both the early down running back and the third down uh, pass catching back? Or are they going to do with what they said in the media and use Wendell Smallwood, who has exactly two snaps in two seasons? There's some players out there, Tuttle, who have more COVID contractions than snaps as Wendell Smallwood in the last two seasons. And yet people are out there saying that he's going to be the passing down back for the Washington football team. They got Jared Patterson, who people say can't catch passes, yet in preseason he caught passes. So what are we doing here, Tuttle? It, are we going to see the 71 over hit for Antonio Gibson? I think so. Um, and I do think you'll see him more involved as a pass catcher. Like he's, he was a, he was a wide receiver in college, right? Like, this is his skill set. Um, and there was a lot of talk preseason about him being much more involved as a pass catcher. Um, so I'm not too worried about these uh, other reports. I mean, it's important to remember McKissick's injury didn't happen until late last week, like late in the fourth quarter on one of their final drives. And Gibson still just dominated touches up to that point, dominated workload up until that point. And whoever is filling in for McKissick is not going to have nearly as big of a role as him. Um, so yeah, I like, I'm, I'm completely fine with eating the Gibson chalk on this one. Um, we talk about every week, how 
when you're eating chalk, it's typically better to do it with a uh, heavy volume uh, running back because there's just less ways for them to fail typically. Not to say it's not going to happen this week, uh, but I, I like Gibson a lot. It, it's going to be hot, uh, tough not to play him at this price point. Yeah, it, it is certainly, you know, it's going to be an interesting situation to say the least here for the football team running back situation. And I think that playing Antonio Gibson at high ownership in tournaments is acceptable, albeit, I, you know, I'm more on the conservative side as far as how they'll treat the situation. You know, pe- people want to say, oh, they promised a Christian McCaffrey workload for this guy. Well, look what happened to Christian McCaffrey. Look what happened to Derrick Henry. I'm not, you know, I, I think the coaches are just, they're going to find rest spots for their players. And I think Gibson is not necessarily going to just be out there for 90, you know, 90% of the touches, like a lot of people think. Still makes him a great play, though, with his current projection at 5,700 on DraftKings. Now, Eli Mitchell. This is a guy who had some targets last week. The knock on him is that he doesn't get a lot of passing game work. Plenty of rushing share, though. Can you pay 6000 in tournaments for Eli Mitchell at high ownership? Probably. This is why it's so, like the running back position is so tough for me to this week. Um, you say he's probably not going to get 90% of the touches when, when talking about Antonio, Antonio Gibson, right? And then we show Elijah Mitchell. Um, granted, Debo stole some of those away, and now Debo's gone. So who knows what they're going to do with those Debo touches that are vacated, and Debo was, was stealing all the touchdowns too. Um, I will say I think Eli Mitchell's workload is – is fine. Like I, I'm not scared of it. I don't think it's at a threat. I think he's a good play of the two between Gibson and Mitchell. I think there are more paths to Mitchell's workload getting cut into than Gibson, which is probably seems like a crazy take because we've seen Mitchell have a, a pretty secure workload, but they still do have Jeff Wilson. Um, we've seen it before. We've seen them treat their running backs and much more of a timeshare in the past. I know that hasn't been the case this season and I'm, it's very possible. I'm just being stubborn with it. And again, I think Eli Mitchell's a great play. I'm not concerned about his workload to the point where I'd be fading him. Just when comparing the two, I think they're fairly comparable between Gibson and Mitchell. And I would be less, I personally would be less surprised if like Jeff Wilson came in and stole two touchdowns than if Jared Patterson came in and stole two touchdowns. I think Hasty's lurking too this week, so I, you know they've, they've yeah. got a couple of backs back there that are pretty good. Um, I don't, I don't have a bad thing to say about Eli Mitchell coming and played well so far. Other than I think there are plenty of options this week, so it's a little bit difficult for me to want to play multiple high-owned running backs in the same lineup this week uh, when the one of the lineups on draft, one of the players on DraftKings doesn't really traditionally get used in the passing game all that much. So a little bit bearish on Mitchell for the tournament landscape. Now Jonathan Taylor, I think we're bullish on him. I think everyone is. It's he's 9,200 though, 10.5 on Vandal. People are still finding a way to get there. As far as I'm concerned, the question is, are they doing it enough? Um, real quick, because you got me, you caught me by surprise, and I wasn't even aware of Michael Hasty was back this week. I think it was just announced yesterday. Like that's that's something that like. That is something we we have seen. I, I mentioned before with Eli Mitchell that we haven't seen his workload cut into. The one time that we have, it's been Jamichael Hasty being a third down back. Um, so, like, I, I think for sure we're going to be seeing Hasty used as a third down back at the least. And there's other potential to his work share getting cut into. Now, going back to Jonathan Taylor, um, he's interesting, <laughs> and it, like figuring out his ownership on a weekly basis is so difficult. Um, because he does have the, the box score lurkers, uh, but then also he draws this amazing matchup. Um, I do think FanDuel, he's a little easier to fit in. Um, you're not like playing Cooper Cup and Jonathan Taylor together in the same lineup on FanDuel. Uh, technically kind of I've found some ways to do it with James O'Shaughnessy at, at tight end. Um, so I, I do think Taylor will be a little bit higher owned on, on FanDuel specifically. Uh, and he's a... I'm going to get it wrong no matter what I say with Jonathan Taylor. He's going to smash no matter what. Like, it's, it, at this price, I think it's a logical fade in tournaments at high expected ownership. Um, but I've said that in the past. And he has a five-touchdown game in him within the last few weeks. And it's like it's the spot where you would not be surprised to see that type of performance again because it's such a good spot for him. 
but I do think the logical play in the game theory play would be to go underweight or fade him. Um, but man, like it, and I will say that's larger field talk with game theory. If you're playing single entry and you just want to lock up 20 Jonathan Taylor points and move on, go for it. Like that's fine. There are a couple of situations that I'm going to equate to Jonathan Taylor from sports pass prior to DFS. Let's say you, do you remember a guy by the name of Ladanian Tomlinson? So people probably at that point in time would have been like, oh man, Ladanian Tomlinson is 11 K 11 K. We can't play him every week. And he scores four touchdowns. Then fast forward. Remember a, a gentleman by the name of Russell Westbrook when there was there was when he woke up and was scoring 50 fantasy points again. He was his price was getting to astronomical level. People was like, oh, you can't keep playing Westbrook at this price. Made every just cramped down everyone's throat time and time again. Now, you know, more recently, you you know there there was the Le'Veon Bell situation. Uh, I think it was Bell and David Johnson one season where once again every single week price is going up. They can't keep doing it, cramming it down everyone's throat. I feel like Jonathan Taylor's in that spot right now. He's such a huge part of this offense. He's got a great matchup this week. I, I think it's just a mistake to just look at the price point and what we know about the majority of players in Daily Fantasy say, no, you can't play this guy because of high ownership and, you know, the fact that running backs traditionally are, just tend to have ebb and flow up and down weeks. I still think there's a really high floor here, and there's a, a monster, monster, monster ceiling that just cannot be avoided week in and week out. And I, I'm, I'm going to try to find a way to afford him, even though, like you said, it's a little bit scary because of these prices. Who else do we like at running back here, Tuttle? There's about 10 of them. Yeah. And one, well, one last thought on Taylor, too, here is that the crazy thing, though, with, with him at his price point, if you're thinking through it, he gets 24, 25. Like, that's not going to sink you in tournaments. That, that's the best argument you can make to fading Jonathan Taylor, basically, is 25 to 30. You're probably not dead if you fade him. If he gets that 50-point game like he did against Buffalo, you're dead. But, you know, he throws up 30, you're, you're still alive. Um, but other running backs, I think the most interesting one to me that I saw uh, with how you have projected ownership or the, I guess, the most inter- interesting conversation would be kind of the James Conner and then Jamal Williams, who seem to be a, a tier down from Antonio Gibson. But I think Williams is going to soak up a decent amount of, amount of ownership this week. Um and I think I he's going to be higher on than James Conner. I think I don't say it confidently. Um, Conner's kind of old. <laughs> he's kind of tired. I think people, if people are like me, they're tired with him. Um, he's performed okay as chalk the last few times he's been chalk. Um, obviously, should benefit from Kyler Murray expected to be back this week, uh, which would benefit fit Conner a little bit. Um, but the matchup seem is, seem is seemingly better for Jamal Williams. Um, so I, I kind of think Jamal Williams will, will leapfrog Connor at a lower price point in terms of ownership. Um, and I do think Connor's probably the guy that I'm fading of the, the higher owned low price running backs. Um, but that's, that's the interesting conversation to me is where Madison's ownership comes out because it, or not Madison, um, Jamal Williams, because if Jamal Williams comes in as the fourth, fifth highest owned running back, then yeah, I'm, I'm fine with my stance on him currently, which is I'm playing him in a lot of my lineups. Yeah, I think the problem is just because pricing's done so well as usual, you know, you're not going to you're not going to be able to fit every single thing that you want in a lineup. So it's going to force you down and to start to considering Jamal Williams and James Conner, and uh, you know, if you're if you're coming off Gibson and Mitchell at all, which the ownership does imply, it's going to have to happen quite a bit of the time. I mean, you're going to have to go to guys like Conner and Mitchell, or Conner and, and Williams. Uh, down here it's not as easy to get to 7.6 for alexander madison and leonard fournette uh so i do i do think that you'll see ownership on connor you might be right that it could be williams that's ahead of him but i still nonetheless do think that people will find a way to play connor at some reasonable percent based on the projection that he's seeing this week against the bears now once you get past leonard fournette i think who i have a roughly 15 percent owned right now i think it starts to get a little bit sketchy as to whether or not people will actually click the button are people going to click the David Montgomery button? Tuttle? Are people if if Henderson is acting? Are, pe- are people going to pick the click the Henderson button against Jacksonville? You know, are people going to be able to afford Joe Mixon at eight point one? These are the questions that I have. What say you? Yeah, the Mixon Eckler, I don't think you can afford. Um, and any other slate, they'd be they'd be strong plays and they they'd be strong tournament plays. Um, I would be playing Mixon over Eckler personally in lineups if if going that route. Um, some of the other guys you mentioned, nobody likes playing David Montgomery. He's still like, he's still the guy. Um, I think he's a fine play. I, f- I think he's a fairly ca- compar- comparable play to 
to a lot of these other higher owned guys. So I think that's an interesting pivot. Uh, he's not as exciting, um, but I do think he's a fair, fairly comparable play. Um, Saquon Barkley is a guy that I, I wrote up on the expert survey. Um, oh, I actually replaced him with a, with a, a bit of a spicier take because I didn't think Barkley, the Barkley take was spicy enough. Um, but Barkley was a guy that I had written up as, as a, a strong tournament option. And I still think that's the case. Um, we saw his workload increase last week. We've seen him involved as a pass catcher. Um, the matchup's fine on paper against Miami. Like any other week, if we saw or we thought we were going to get 15 to 20 touches out of Barkley in this spot, he'd probably be, you know, double digit ownership. And that's just not going to happen this week. Um, so, yes, I mean, that's the crazy thing about this week. We do have pretty good overall plays that are going to come in under 10% ownership. Miles Gaskin, another one of those guys. Um, the guy can't get yards, but he can score touchdowns. And now Philip Lindsay's uh, out of the equation. I think he's listed as doubtful. Lindsay did eat into his workload a little bit last week, but we've seen in the past, they don't really want to run Salvin Ahmed. They don't really want to run Patrick Laird. So with the current setup, I think you could be also looking at a pretty good touch floor here from Gaskin, um, especially if the game flow breaks his way. So Gaskin's another guy that I think is worth having some exposure to. And another guy that I think would be in the double digit ownership on any different week. So I want to mention one more thing before we move on here, as far as potential options to be high owned. I do think that the slate could get a little bit of a twist if Henderson is in fact ruled out. Now that, News may not come. Yep. Uh, you know, it, it's going to have to be in one of these Schefter bombs or, you know, Ian Rappaport or one of these guys tweeting it overnight. But we could hear that uh, Henderson's out and Sonny Michelle would end up being a guy who would end up getting a lot of ownership against the Jaguars. So that, that's something to watch out for here when you talk about projected ownership for week 13. Also available for week 13 is the DFS OGs League. Uh, you're going to want to go over to our homepage and find the link to that contest. Get in there and play against Chop, Noto, Beer Makers fan. Uh, sign up for the OGs contest this week on our homepage and kick their asses. All right, let's get into the wide receiver position. Cooper Cup, clearly the best play in terms of fantasy points. Uh, I don't think anyone's even close. <laughs> I have him, you know, our projections have him set, you know, almost seven points higher than Keenan Allen, and that's a big difference. I think that the ownership gap could actually be bigger as a result of that. It just depends how the contest you're playing in wants to value the PPR format and what he's done so far this season. Personally, I think it's worth it, but you can't afford everything. You're not, like you said, you're not going to get uh, Jonathan Taylor and cup in the same lineup. Uh, most of the time, I, I think it's a worthy spend. What say you? Yeah, I think it's a good spend too, but that like, that is pretty much the decision you're making um, is cup first Jonathan Taylor. So we talked about how, and I'm doing this now in my head too. I had Taylor in a decent amount of lineups, but it's like, we, we just talked about how many good running back plays there are. Right. So the opportunity cost would seemingly be a lot lower at the, the running back position than the wide receiver position. You just mentioned we have cut projected for seven points higher than the next guy. Um, so I do think it's like, it's one of those spots where you probably just have to be like, Hey, I'm going to like Jonathan Taylor, he's going to ruin me, but I'm going to fade him and I'm going to go heavy on Cooper cup. I'm going to go heavy on this, um, these lower owned running backs that are still really good plays on any other week. I do think that is the right approach. Um, like you said though, with, in, in terms of where we, and how we project that ownership wise, it's very tough. Um, it'll be very interesting to see how it plays out because uh, again, I've mentioned it numerous times before. I think Jonathan Taylor is kind of a little different in terms of projecting, like, the models aren't going to project him perfectly in terms of ownership because people love this guy. People love those game logs. I think he's always going to go a little bit higher than what is we typically have him projected for. And then conversely, Cooper Cup hasn't had one of those smash games for that price point um, in a few weeks. So game log watchers might not like Cooper Cup quite as much. Um, but yeah, in, in my personal builds, I think Cup makes a lot of sense, um, especially uh, tied with that mid-tier running back. Uh, if you're like a Vegas guy, a props guy, 96 and a half yards, the prop for Cooper Cup, that is massive, absolutely massive for a wide receiver. If you're like a matchup guy, uh, you know, our, our power rankings are showing the opponent pass, you know, at the bottom three for the Jaguars, the, the pressure, the, the sacks, uh, not very good for the Jaguars, their ability to get to the passer. The Rams, likewise, very good at protecting the passer. 
going to be a lot of time for Stafford to stand back there and find Cooper Cup, and I think it's going to happen a lot. Uh, Michael Pittman is, I mean, not my favorite uh, guy to get excited about, but it's against Houston. So how are we going to contend with this? If we're not playing Jonathan Taylor in our lineup, are we pivoting right over to Michael Pittman? I want to say yes, but then he's such an obvious leverage play that it's not like it's going to be low owned, um, which is exactly how we have it projected here. Um, so I, I do think Pittman's a good play, though. At the at the price point that he's at, it's it's very hard to avoid him in, in certain builds. Um, I would just be weary. Like I said, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't have the mindset that I'm making some sort of sneaky play if I'm playing Pittman over Jonathan Taylor in lineups like that's going to be very common. Um, so he's a good play. Yes. Uh, is he fadable in tournaments? Yes. Yeah. Pretty, pretty simply put, uh, I will, will note one thing. I think T Y Hilton did some stuff last week, uh, got in the end zone, but that was a situation where you would expect three wide receivers to be on the field against in that matchup. I do not expect the uh, Colts to want to have three wide receivers on the field quite as much this week. So I think you'll see a lot less T Y Hilton, which is probably good news for a guy like Pittman. If you're looking for any kind of you know box to check as far as why he could see a, a more consolidated view of the targets. You must not be uh, familiar with T.Y. Hilton versus Houston Texans. <laughs> that is true. I actually, I forgot about that narrative streak. <laughs> yeah, he, he does. He, I think he did some earlier this year too. Kind of a real it thing, yeah. It was a lot, but like I remember seeing the box. He got a touchdown. Yeah, it, it's, look, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not here to spend too much time on T.Y. Hilton. I was just mentioning, you know, the guy is, you know, he's a part-time player at this point, so don't get too worried about him just because he did some stuff last week. Okay, Brandon Ayuk is a player that I think will be pretty owned this week because of the price point, namely, but also because obviously no Depot Samuel is going to free up some targets in the passing game for a guy like him. Um, I, I have some challenges trusting anyone in the San Francisco 49ers passing attack, but I do think he'll be pretty popular. Do you think that this is someone that you can trust? Yes. Um I will say, I don't think like his, there are people that think his role is going to take like some massive, massive change um, in terms of target share, in terms of running the ball, um, basically taking over Debo's role in the backfield. I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, we have seen him run some jet sweeps and things like that in the past. That's certainly possible. Uh, but I would, yeah, I don't think he's going to all of a sudden start taking running back snaps like Debo did. Um, I think that was a, a Debo, Debo himself sort of thing. I think he's a strong play. Um, of the guys that we have projected up here in terms of ownership, he's the guy that I would be least surprised at putting up some sort of goose egg. Uh, he's looked good, uh, but I would not be surprised if he, if he failed this week. Yeah, I have some trust issues with this game environment in general. I'm not so sure yep. if the 49ers versus the Seahawks is going to yield a shootout for, for tournaments, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I couldn't get there with some consolidated work share. It's just, you know, it's not something I'm falling in love with with the ownership starting to creep up on him. Hunter Renfro, another player that I struggle when I see high ownership because I do see production lately. That, that on, that's on one hand, right? We do see since uh, we lost Henry Ruggs, since you know now with Darren Waller out, we do we are seeing target share. But the problem is we're not really seeing like through the ceiling kind of fancy performances for this guy. And for what it's worth, I'm just more interested in letting other people test these waters or with a, with a slot receiver. Uh, versus trying to you know find the first time that this guy hit 30 fantasy points talk to me about that i have a slightly different viewpoint than you and that's mainly just because he's still cheap um like he's not breaking the box score but he's getting production at a at a price tag where it's can be difficult to get production 6400 on FanDuel, 5800 on on DraftKings, where he's could shine in the spot um in terms of ppr um, so, uh, yeah, I'm a little bit higher on him than you just because I think it's the price point for me. Um, you have Pittman in the kind of the same price point. T. Higgins, who's a lot more boom and bust, different different profile type of receiver than, than Hunter Renfro. Same with Mike Williams, who's much more boom or bust. So he probably doesn't have, like, if you're looking at the tails of it, like he's his, his area is much more concentrated in the middle. Uh, he's not going to have some straight like crazy ceiling game like Mike Williams where he gets 40 points, but he's also not going to have the three-point Mike Williams game. Um, so he's much more of like a safe option. So I, in that sense, I guess you could take some thought when using him, what sort of lineup you're using him in. Are you using him in a boomer bust lineup and you just need a guy that to get you 15 to 20 points? Or do you need him to be the guy that's going to get you 40 points? Because he's not going to do that. Don't worry. Sharp players are going to play Hunter Renfro 
wait till you see who I'm going to end up playing. Like I, when we get to play fire, like, you know, you don't, you don't need to worry about whether my opinion too much on, on a guy. I do think that Renfro is going to have a strong middle part of his outcome curve, like where you're going to see a lot of games between 15 and 21 fantasy points. I just don't think you're, he's never going to be the guy that's going to win the slate for you, at least in my opinion, if it happens, it happens, but it's certainly not going to happen more than a few times in his career, just the way that he tends to work in daily fantasy. Now, Chris Godwin is a guy that I think can win slates for you. The problem is I don't think people are going away from him just because when you go to make a Tom Brady stack, you know, I think you're going to still click Godwin over Mike Evans. So talk to me about Chris Godwin. Uh, do you think that he deserves to be high on this week? Yeah, I do. Um, I said it already with the Fournette stuff and Brady stuff. Last week was an anomaly. Like it, it's an outlier. I feel pretty comfortable saying that. If it doesn't happen this week, I'll be happy, mostly because I'm, I'm taking on an underweight stance on Tampa Bay, not because I don't love them, not because I don't think it's an amazing, amazing spot, not because I don't think they're probably going to end up crushing my soul. Uh, strictly an ownership thing. Like you just got to – it's one of those spots for me that they're going to be so high-owned and that double stacks are going to be so high-owned um, that I think it just makes sense to look elsewhere. But I, I, Godwin's an excellent play. Uh, cash game staple on a weekly basis, basically at this point. Um, the problem for me with Tampa Bay, and you kind of mentioned it already, like we have Mike Evans projected for 7% owned, but he's such an easy pivot and such the obvious pivot. And he's so cheap with double stacks too, that I could see his ownership getting up to that 15 to 20% range uh, in tournaments for sure. You know, that kind of thing happened with Mike Williams last week where I didn't really see him as a popular option. The numbers weren't really pointing me in that direction. And then, of course, he ends up like 12% owned or something like that. I mean, he was he was fairly popular. It wasn't like through the roof. Maybe that's something we'll see with Mike Evans this week. Um, I, I do think people are going to want to play Gronk. So, you know, he, he's one of these guys where if you went strictly by the numbers, his ownership wouldn't be that high. But I think at this point in time, you're just going to see the stacking element of the game start to yield people in the direction of Gronk as well. So that could, you know, that, that could prevent either one of these guys, Godwin, Evans, uh, from, from getting, you know, absolutely through the roof but you're still going to see the combination of those three guys pretty highly owned in general just because people are going to want to play Brady this week and rightfully so I'm looking at Brady myself okay so let's fire off a couple of guys in the value range mid-tier because like right because we're playing mid-tier running backs uh where we can only really afford one high price guy in that scenario you're probably gonna see a lot of mid-tier receivers too so you're gonna see Darnell Mooney uh no Allen Robinson this week against Arizona you're gonna probably see Higgins again because he had a big game uh matchup uh, I mean, it's not the best matchup, but it's, it's certainly not, not going to stop people from clicking the button. You got Mike Williams again. Uh, people are going to want to play this stack, this double stack with Justin Herbert. Uh, rest assured, you'll see 5,700 Mike Williams in play to help make that very possible. And then uh, Kenny Galladay is, I keep trying to lower him, but there's not really that many cheap options. So he keeps creeping up here. Let's, let's stop right there. What do you think about Galladay with Mike Glennon at quarterback? Are people actually going to play this guy? I didn't think so. Um, yeah, I was surprised to see that ownership. He was a guy that I had written down earlier this week is, is somebody to potentially look at is a lower owned option. And I do think you probably like, I don't think anybody's jumping at the bit to, to play Kenny Galladay. Like he's, yeah, nobody's doing it, but I do think theoretically it's a decent spot, right? QB change can only be good for him at this point. He's, he's so far down there that a QB change has to be positive for him. Um, we had that, I don't know if you saw, but before we had the, the retweet, the pregame, um, the pregame conference saying that Kenny Galladay was brought to the front of the plane um, and was saying, like, we're going to make this right. Joe Judge is like, we're going to make this right. We're going to get you the ball. We're going to get you a touchdown. They did try to force him to it. The problem is if you're not very good anymore, it doesn't really matter. Um, and that's potentially the, the problem with Kenny Galladay is he might not be any good anymore. Uh, but it seems like from a play calling perspective, they are going to try to get him more involved. Um, so I, like, I think he actually has the makings of a good tournament option this week. Uh, if he's in the 15%, 12 to 15% range, he's probably not a good tournament option. Uh, but if he's more down towards like the 5% range, then I could see taking shots on him for sure. Yeah. A lot, of, a lot of players are close here. So this, this I'm going to keep trying to push him down a little bit more. I think I'm, I'm with you that I, while I think the numbers say that at 5k and on this slate, you know, third, if you're projected for 13 fantasy points with a pretty decent range of outcomes, you probably should be pretty owned. But I do think that guys like Elijah Moore, right, 
guys who are a little bit more a little bit sexier options. Yeah. You're, you know, Josh Reynolds is 3.4. I keep trying to push him down, but once again, he's basically the number one option. The former duo from the Rams now back in action for the Lions. And right away we saw Thanksgiving, you know, this guy's out there catching touchdowns. So I do think that that's going to be a thing. And he's 3.4. The price hasn't corrected yet. Uh, you know, people could go to Beckham if he's available. 5.5 stacks with Stafford. You know, there, there's other options. You know, Van Jefferson, same story. Other options away from Galladay to fit that price range that you could, you know, potentially see people afraid to play the Giants. And I think that that's probably going to happen. Anything else at wide receiver worth mentioning here? I mean, there's, it's, it's, it's pretty much trash other than the studs that are low owned that we'll talk about a little bit later. Yeah, I don't think ownership wise, there's much to mention other than, and you, you kind of said it offhand, like maybe these Rams options get a little bit more high owned, um, especially if, if we get news Beckham's going to sit. Um, most recent news on him is we're expected to play, but maybe uh, if he sits, then we see some some Van Jeff- Jefferson's team, but I think we touched most of it. Yeah. Is it ever going to be possible for Justin Jefferson to get a high ownership projection, by the way? It seems like, what, what does this guy got to do? I mean, I know I realize how it works and why it keeps coming out this way, but like it feels wrong every week. Thielen's like 2% right. and Jefferson 7%. Like you could, we, we could just put that on repeat for the entire season at the end of the show and we, we, we can just take a nap. Yeah. And then, you know, every just, just double stack cousins every, every week and you'll hit one out of the three weeks that it happens or something like that. Like a pretty, pretty good return rate on those guys. All right. Let's go to the tight end position with the title. I, I don't know if I was sleeping this week or what, but some, somewhere along the way, I didn't notice that Foster Moreau was 2,700. <laughs> I was like, what is Darren Waller's out, right? Like what is happening? Yeah. It's um, Moreau's ownership is going to be one of the more interesting case studies for me in terms of like, we should legit have somebody look into um, basically how, late breaking news affects ownership because I don't know if you remember when Waller was out however many weeks ago and Moreau was 2,500 and he came in like six, 8% on something like that yep. and smashed. Um, whereas now we're projecting him for 26, 27% owned. Um, so I do think it's actually a pretty interesting case study on uh, how, when you have a whole week to think about it and you have a whole week of people touting a person, how much that affects ownership because it is, he is going to be significantly high owned Um I think rightfully so. I mean, we mentioned it with um, Hunter Renfro. There's just so few places to go with the ball, right? Like Zay, like Zay Jones is terrible. Uh, Deshaun Jackson's only going to get get a deep throw here and there. Um, there has to be somebody that's going to get targets other than Hunter Renfro. Um, so for 2,700, he's going to project well and he's going to be chalk. There are paths to failure, obviously, which makes this position pretty interesting in terms of ownership then because you know we do have some fairly high upside options Gronkowski you you have highlighted as a guy that's going to be coming at ownership but for me Jared uh, George Kittle um we talked about Debo Samuel's absence and how that affects affects Brandon Ayuk and I do think the common approach is people are going to jump on Ayuk before George Kittle but like give me Kittle in this spot as leverage off of Ayuk give me George Kittle in the spot as leverage off a cheap uh, tight end that might not do anything uh, i think kittle is one of the best leverage plays on this on the slate yeah unless you're playing on fanduel where he's like 6300 yeah he'll be on and just like sure. yeah he'll be yeah okay so let's not get crazy on fanduel i mean people are going to play george kittle you didn't just it's not like you're a yeah. conquistador you didn't discover that one out there on fanduel <laughs> before everyone gets excited about it but on drafting nope. i think he i think will be a little bit lower like you said um you know i might want to try to knock him down above uh kyle pitts here who is Kyle Pitts just not good? Like, what's happened? Or, or, or are the Falcons just so bad that he just he just continuously gets suppressed by you know some sort of defensive attention? Like, why why is Kyle Pitts? I mean, I mean, we know that tight ends don't do well in the rookie season most of the time, but this is getting a little ridiculous. It's very underwhelming, but also Russell Gage, Tajay Sharp, Olamide, Zach Zacchaeus. Like, when you have defenses concentrating on you as the top pass catching option and those is the remaining options that could potentially get the ball, they're going to concentrate on you because you're very clearly the best option to throw the ball to. Um, so, yeah, it, it's it's frustrating um, because Kyle Pitts should be absolutely smashing. Uh, and I still think he's – I, I do still think the upside's there. It's just he's – like we, we talk about Bill Belichick being the talking point of always taking away the, the top weapon. When you're the only weapon 
on offense other than Cordero Patterson. Yeah, like, so. like Cordero Patterson's obviously a weapon, but when when you two are the only guys, it's pretty easy to game plan to take you guys away. Yeah, someone should tell these people about Cordero Patterson and they're taking away Kyle Pitts. Like, I mean, not that it's really mattered. The, the Falcons stink, although they have more wins than I thought. I, I, I yeah, they're surprisingly the like have six wins or something. It's like how I'm like. Yeah, that's a, I, I rarely look at the standings. I'm so busy looking at daily fantasy, but like, yeah. man, that, that took me by surprise. Okay, talking about Gronk, people are playing him. Are people going to play Cole Komet? Like, this is another guy. The guy gets like 20% targets every week. What's he got to do to get attention? Yeah, I, and I don't think he will get ownership. Um, I mean, I think probably pretty close to what you have him projected at. Um, and he stands out as a better play on DraftKings. But yeah, he was targeted so much last week. Uh, and I think he'll continue to be targeted because – kind of similar to what we just talked about um, with, with Moreau and then even Pitts, like there's no other place to throw the ball in this offense other than Darnell Mooney. Uh, so Mooney and Komet are going to continue to get a ton of the targets. I think Marquise Goodwin's out again this week. Like there's just, they're running bodies out there at this point. So yeah, Komet's going to see a ton of targets. Darnell Mooney's going to see a ton of targets and Komet is a good way to, to get some leverage off the, the Moreau chalk as well. I think at very like, very meaningless $900. Like you can make that work pretty easily on DraftKings this week. Here's how this is going to go. You're going to see commit with like seven catches for 75 yards in between the twenties and then touchdown Jimmy Graham. Here we go. Let's get it going. <laughs> He's so annoying. <laughs> and they like try to force feed him the ball in the end zone too. They got to oh, get those Jimmy oh, yeah. Graham touchdown looks. Oh, he, remember, I think someone will probably mention he used to play basketball like 20 years ago. Like that, that's the thing. That's, if your tight end played basketball, just make sure to mention it every single season of their career and then you'll be good. Okay, let's get to the defensive position title real quick. Look, on DraftKings, there's not a lot to love. It's it's all over 3K. Like you got the Raiders at like 2,800, I guess. I don't know. Like we're not, we're not finding the punt defense like last week, right? It's going to be pretty spread out. Yeah, and I'm trying to – I've mentioned it a few times this week, the, the expert survey. I think I might have put none for favorite for favorite cheap defense on DraftKings because they're just like – it's very hard um, to find anything under the Dolphins that makes for a good play. Uh, so I do think because of that, we might see a little bit higher ownership than what we typically would in this price range, which, again, is what you have projected. We like The top four defenses in terms of ownership are all 3,300 or above, um, and I think that is going to be the way it plays out. Yeah. So again, when you talk about defense and daily fantasy, you're really looking to avoid super concentrated spots, uh, especially those that uh, are expensive. We don't see a ton of those. It's really going to be a spread out situation. So personally, I like, I like the Eagles quite a bit here. I think uh, Zach Wilson stinks, quite frankly. Uh, do think that he's, he's the type of player who can make a lot of mistakes against a defensive line that can get a lot of pressure. So the Eagles are, are looking pretty attractive to me, albeit you got to pay up if you want to get there on DraftKings. Uh, Tuttle, I, I reached out to the Nielsen people, the people who rate internet podcasts, and we are not having the best show ever. So what we're going to have to do is circle back here. And first, we have to do what every podcast does and remind people to like and subscribe. But go ahead and smash the like button on YouTube. Go ahead and subscribe to your podcast feed. Uh, that is the way that you can help both yourself and us out, us in the form of interaction on the social media and you in the form of great information delivered right to you with alerts every single day. Okay. Now, in order to recover from our not best show ever title, we are going to have to give the very best low owned options that we have ever given in our lifetimes. So that is where it's up to you at the quarterback position to tell people how they will win millions in the high field, uh, large field contest this week. So I think the best low-owned option at quarterback is Lamar Jackson. Uh, I talked about him already, uh, why I like him. Pittsburgh has struggled uh, defensively the last few weeks. Again, some of that's injury-related. Joe Hayden's expected to be out again. Uh, TJ Watt is on the COVID list. He's expected to play, but you don't never know how that sort of thing uh, affects a person. Uh, Lamar Jackson clearly has some of the highest upside on the slate, and he currently projects for just about 5% ownership. So I think it's a pretty good spot to – to buy on what looks like not a great matchup that might potentially actually be better than what it looks like. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to second that one. I think that's where I was going here on DraftKings. Uh, if, if you're looking at, you know, some, some of these other sites, I mean, it's a little bit, it's a little bit scary, but uh, I, I think, I think Burrow is a guy that has not really seen his ceiling hit too many times this year. It's not going to be tremendously low owned, but I think he'll be low owned enough here 
that you can pair him up uh, with with a couple of his pass catchers uh, at, at reasonably low ownership and find a pretty high ceiling potential here. If this game starts to get out of hand, uh, right now it's it, it's got the combination on paper from the projection side of sort of a middling, uh, not super super up tempo game. But if it does end up, you know. We, we got two pretty good quarterbacks here. And when those offenses can interact, you can start to see a shootout. Uh, what do you got here at running back? So running back's interesting. Um, I talked about Saquon. I talked about Miles Gaskin. I do like those guys a fair amount. Um, I'm going to discuss a guy that's much uglier. So I, I like these two guys more. I like Saquon. I like Gaskin more than I like this next guy. But I just feel it coming. I feel the troll week coming from Miles Sanders. It was chalk last week not going to be nearly anywhere near chalk this week. We had Boston Scott on the, uh, is, he's questionable. I assume he's going to play, but he did not practice on Friday. He's battling with an illness. Like if we had this spot. So if you think about it in reverse, Boston Scott was looking like he was going to be chalk because we kind of thought Miles Sanders was going to be out. And now Miles Sanders is in Boston. Scott's not hundred percent, but Sanders is going to be so low owned. Um, I think Miles Sanders is a good tournament. Like it's weird to say, I think he's a good tournament option. I think he he was going to hit a hundred yards last week if he didn't get injured. Like whatever, it is what it is. Injuries happen in in, in football, but people have been burned by him so much that I, I think they're going to be off of him. Uh, but I do think he's a, he's a pretty strong play. Yeah, I think I think a real strong play. That, you know, there's really two of them here that you mentioned earlier. Uh, Mixon's a little bit higher on, so I'll mention Eckler at uh, at eight point three. Boy. For this kind of price tag, uh, it's no wonder he's going to be low owned. But this guy, you know, the way that we're projecting him, like we see, you know, somewhere near 20 as like like the typical type of an outcome for him. If he gets in the end zone a couple of times, you can start to see 30s, 35, pay off the price tag, quite frankly. And this is full PPR. So, again, if this ends up into a shootout scenario, uh, he won't be nearly as, high, as highly owned as the wide receiving options. Okay. But you got a wide receiver. Oh man, this is where I had to had to bring my spicy take on the survey. Um, I'll get there in a bit. McLaurin is is the guy that I think is like an actual good player. That's like very good leverage option, very good overall play at his projected ownership. Um, the guy that it takes a, a bit more of a leap of faith to get on uh, the bandwagon on, and that's because Big Ben's driving the bus is Chase Claypool. Um, if Big Ben was not quarterback, I would love this play. Um, Baltimore allows the most, or they have given up the most um, throws or completions of 20 plus yards in the league. Uh, I believe that number is 51. They allow a lot of big, big plays downfield, which is kind of where Claypool shines. But again, he has such a noodle arm quarterback throwing the ball that that's not guaranteed to happen. Uh, but he has obviously stepped into a bigger role with Juju sideline playing every down. Now uh, he's seen 17 targets over the last couple of weeks. Uh, he gets some action on the goal line from end rounds, things like that. So I think he does have some trick floor uh, built in with him as well. Uh, but yeah, I think Claypool is my, my extra spicy 1% take of this week. Yeah. I, I've got a couple of, of, of choices here at wide receiver. Uh, I think personally what, what probably is the better play is you go ahead and find some of your favorite top uh, projected running backs and go ahead and stuff those in your lineup and then get some lower owned guys at the wide receiver position. Okay. So, Jamar Chase, he's not going to be high enough on. Go ahead and play him if you can afford him. If you are willing to stomach the idea that Russell Wilson could wake up and do absolutely anything, DK Metcalf at 6.7 is underpriced Squeaky compared to wheel. what he is perfectly capable of. Uh, I do like Metcalf quite a bit here in this particular situation, merely because we just haven't seen him uh, anywhere close to what his capabilities are in several weeks. And I think people forgot about him, quite frankly. Okay, so... Marquise Brown is going to be relatively low owned. Uh, if, if, if you want to go ahead and try to find a Lamar Jackson lineup or even uh, just uh, quite frankly, just play him by himself. I think that he's one, a candidate to have extreme, extreme, extreme consolidation of targets and the Steelers will be without Joe Hayden yet again this week. And now I've got an absolutely disturbing take title. I promised I was going to be terrible. and I was going to give you a fish play of all fish plays. Well, oh if Jalen Hurts is going to be busy, absolutely not uh, running the ball this week because of his ankle, and you've got a Jets team that isn't necessarily the best on defense, and the Eagles offensive line could give Jalen Hurts time to throw, isn't it about time for a Quez Watkins bomb? 
He's uh, 3,600 on DraftKings. And if you're playing one of these mega field tournaments looking to make a Jalen Hurts stack, I submit to you Quest Watkins could get out there and get in the end zone on a big play. Just one will probably do the job if he gets up getting a couple of targets. I think that's probably what you'll need to win a tournament. Uh, I certainly think it's in the cards. Not the best play, but something that I think is far from impossible. Got a tight end? Kittle's the guy for me on DraftKings. Um, mentioned he's not going to be overlooked on FanDuel, so don't think you're going to get him at low ownership there. Uh, but I think he's he's one of the best leverage plays on the slate on DraftKings. Um, and he is the only guy that I had written down. Yeah, I think that that's a perfectly solid take here on DraftKings. Boy, it's, it's tough out there, but I'm going to go ahead and mention two guys that I think are really good football players that are not going to have ownership. Mark Andrews, uh, again, situation where even if we start to see him creep up into three, four, five percent range in Lamar Jackson stacks, which I don't think is going to happen on DraftKings, quite frankly, uh, he, he can have monster games. And I think that that is arbitrage on a very consolidated tight end position this week. Uh, also, TJ Hawkinson, boy, the, the Vikings tend to have these games, Tuttle. If, uh, if, if the Lions are actually able to move the ball at all and people are all over Jamal Williams, the touchdowns go to Hawkinson, you might be glad you paid 5.2 for him and giving yourself a much different roster construction than everybody else. Folks, that is going to do it for the ownership report in week 13. I wish you the best of luck in all of your contests for Dan Gasper, Mr. Total of Five. I'm Chris Tremino. We'll be back again in week 14. Go win something.